You are listening to University of Wisconsin-Madison's Mortgage Center for Public Service podcast, a podcast dedicated to connecting community, campus, and student voices that foster, shape, and cultivate a thriving democratic society. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our second episode of the Mortgage Center podcast, Fridge Fridge. I'm Aaron Gretzinger, the Mortgage Center's communication and marketing intern. I'm a sophomore at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, majoring in journalism and French. In this episode, I am ecstatic to welcome Jamal Lyle Cyrus. Jamal is a sophomore studying political science and communication arts at UW-Madison. Jamal is the founder of the Instagram account BIPOC at Wisco, which he formed in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement spurred by the death of George Floyd. The account's goal is to share the experiences of black, indigenous, and students of color on the UW campus in order to increase visibility of issues faced by BIPOC students. Since founding the account, Jamal has become an advocate for social justice issues on campus through his work as the Wisconsin Alumni Student Board Diversity and Inclusion Chair, the media coordinator for Juliana Bennett's District 8 Alder Campaign, and as a student vote organizer with the Badgers Vote Coalition for the November election. He was also recently elected to serve as an Associate Students of Madison representative for the College of Letters and Science for the next school year. Today on Gridge Fridge, we'll dive into Jamal's activism, key issues surrounding racial equity on campus, and what students can do to create a more inclusive campus environment and culture. Of course, you started the uh, BIPOC at Wisco account, and that was a huge thing that kind of blew up at the beginning of this year. And, you know, can you talk a little bit more about like the details of the account and you know, how this summer surgence of Black Lives Matter movements across the nation influenced its launch. Yeah, so with the uh, height of the Black Lives Matter movement this past summer, it just brought everyone's attention to racism and microaggressions and all of those racial equity issues. And I really wanted to find an outlet where I could just be more active in fighting for the movement as well and specifically like on campus just because coming here from LA which is not a non-racist area but I would have to say it is less racially like there's just an, an easier racial climate there than out here and I really wanted to bring light to a lot of the issues that get swept under the rug here so often just because being even just being a freshman who had Um, a freshman last year who had less than a full year on campus, I was still able to see all of um, these racially charged issues. So I just really wanted to make a space where no one could deny these, that these things are occurring anymore. So kind of what went into making that, it was just essentially, I was really just sitting down one day scrolling through Instagram and I saw an account that was exactly the same, calling out racism on the campus of University of Southern California. And I just, I mean, I thought that I was just sitting there. I was like, there has to be something like this for Wisconsin. I have to find it right now. I have to, so I literally just searched through every single Instagram handle I could think of that might be that account. But then when I found that there wasn't, genuinely in that moment, I was like, okay, it's just downright stupid. That isn't made yet. So I'm just going to do it right now. And I did. And I just put together a Google form, put together an Instagram account and started pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And I didn't even expect that much from it, but then it just took off and it, I'm just so glad at where it's at now. So, yeah. 
Yeah, of course. And, you know, the ultimate goal of the account is, um, as you highlighted before, is just to um, really speak the stories and the narratives of Black, Indigenous, and students of color on campus. Um, and a lot of these experiences really speak volumes about a lot of that discord you were talking about, and especially in the broader sphere of higher education. So can you just talk a little bit about what experiences have touched you most personally and, um, you know, how you think those have influenced the campus climate at all? The two main events, or I don't even know that, well, yeah, the two main events that brought my attention to how to the racial climate on this campus were when the homecoming video last year um, was shot and filmed and edited release and there were no BIPOC students in the video whatsoever which is just not representative of what we have here on campus and it's it's it just shows how uh, BIPOC students on this campus are only valued when it comes to I guess kind of their promotion of diversity, not the actual promotion of like the campus culture that they want to be living in. I guess it's kind of complicated, but like you see black students on pamphlets and all over the website and just all these different students of color being pushed to the forefront. But then when the homecoming video happened and there was a black sorority that gets, that got interviewed and there was actual footage to include um, very varying backgrounds in the video, but they opted out of it, which I thought was really disgusting. And to go even further from that, I was, when I was reading about it online, I found this Yahoo page where there were just a bunch of comments on the issue. And most of the comments were just disgustingly racist. And a lot of, I, one that particularly stood out to me was the comment said, oh, sorry, like it was like, why couldn't they show any students of color? And it, the comment in response said, oh, sorry, they were showing the students that go to class. And it's just little comments like that, that honestly shouldn't affect me. But it really, I mean, I still remember that. That was over a year ago. And I still remember that specific comment. I was just really distraught. And I remember the next day or the next few days walking around campus, just feeling 100% out of place. And it was, it was something that I had never experienced before. It was an odd feeling. So I... Yeah, that definitely, in terms of like higher education spaces, that definitely was one thing that brought my attention to these issues and like kind of touched me a lot. And also just having the, the um, Abraham Lincoln statue on campus, which is like a hot take, hot topic, but I think that it should be removed just because, I mean, it just like stands for something that so many students can't even begin to grasp. Like so many students want, are more concerned with rubbing Abe's foot for like luck for an exam or their picture that they get to take when they graduate or whatever. But it's like, you definitely don't see any students of color partaking in those little antics because he's not someone that we're here to idolize. But yeah, those two definitely just, they definitely assert the campus culture very well. Yeah, and you know, as you brought up, like they're definitely clearly blatant racist interactions brought up on BIPOC at Wisco that are just shocking, but also a lot of mention of microaggressions that, you know, we, we talked about this previously um, for the Badger Herald and just like, can you illuminate how some of those bringing up those topics and just explaining it from students' colors perspective is so important and uplifting and, you know, facilitating these discussions and can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that it, is important to talk about microaggressions just because they are subconscious occurrences. So it is, yeah, it, I have to recognize it's difficult for white people to control them, but it's still important that that effort is being made. And just one thing is, 
I mean, we are all we all went through the American education system where we all learned that racism was a thing of the 60s. Racism isn't a thing anymore. It was in the 60s. Civil rights movement ended that we're not racist anymore. So it's just really I could only imagine how difficult it would be to recognize one's own place or complacency and racism and microaggressions like the one on campus when everything that they've been told since they were five, like in kindergarten, learning about like Harriet Tubman, whoever, were that um, we honor these people now and that Black people are not less than white people and that we don't think this way anymore, when in all actuality, these ideologies are alive and well. So I think that addressing that and also addressing that these aren't South specific like issues. It's not a regional thing. It's a nationwide thing. And it's not a thing particular to any one campus. It's just racism exists everywhere in our society. And we need to recognize that to, and take a step back and recognize that in order to like find the root of these issues and hopefully eradicate them. And you yourself, you've been in like the heat of this, obviously, as um, the leader of this account and reading these experiences and having the chance to, um, you know, really unveil this narrative that's so important to integral to changing campus culture and really influencing um, how students view and see things. Um, how does it personally inform and influence your own activism? I think that running this account just because obviously I'm. I mean, I'm a Black person, so I only understand the Black experience to a full extent, not even a full extent, because we all have different experiences still. And historically, racism has most greatly affected Black people in this country, but all minority groups, um, all racial minority groups can experience racism. So understanding what that looks like for the Indian American community, Asian American community, um, Mexican American community, just different groups is really important in my own advocacy because I really do believe in intersectionality of movements. So I think that when it comes to talking about racism, we can't just talk about racism from a Black perspective. I need to understand that like the whole purpose of the term BIPOC even is just to bring racial minorities together while still recognizing that we all face racism on different dimensions for different things. It just affects us to, to different extents. So whereas the Asian American community I've learned experiences racism mostly through outside of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has been, um, which has just pushed or normalized racism against Asian American communities, which is horrible, but just they're so often pushed as like the model minority, which is still harmful. And it's just recognizing things like that, that definitely help round out my perspective on racial equity issues. And speaking of your activism, you've certainly been involved across campus issues and, and community issues as well um, here in Madison. So, um, you know, working with the BIPOC coalition to make demands to the chancellor, um, student vote organizer, which was right here through the Mortgage Center and um, the Andrew Goodman Foundation for the fall 2020 election. And of course, now you're working on Juliana Bennett's campaign for District 8. There's so many different moving parts for you personally in your advocacy. And can you just break down some of these roles and how your activism has taken shape beyond uh, BIPOC at WISCO? Yeah, I would definitely say BIPOC at WISCO was such a kickstart to my advocacy and just very much so just, I think, focused me on like what I care about and what I want to do. So then taking that momentum um, into student vote or the student vote organizer position with the Mortgage Center and uh, Andrew Goodman Foundation. That was 
I just thought that that was really awesome to be able to engage with various students across campus and just in terms of the student vote organizer role, I just thought that that was so important because we are, especially just being in a swing state, but I think that it's just important to be voting in general because you have to, that's just one of the easiest way, or not easiest because so many people are disenfranchised from it. But if you do have the right, or I would like to call it the privilege to vote, then you should definitely take that because that is one of the most direct ways that you can use your voice, I think. And then also um, working with Juliana Bennett's campaign this semester, Juliana's just always been someone that I really admire. And when I started by Pocket Wisco, we were just corresponding a lot during that time. And she invited me to speak out at a few events that the BIPOC Coalition put on last semester, which I thought that was awesome. And just her really so immediately bringing me into the world of activism and advocacy, just very heartwarming for me because I just felt like I had someone who had been in this fight for so much longer just to look to and to have as a resource and a friend. So I think that that's really awesome. And I um, in working on her campaign, have just been able to push her platform and hopefully get her elected so that now that I am elected to ASM and hopefully she will get elected to city office, um, we can continue to work closely together in that way. And even if, hope, fingers crossed, it doesn't go this way, but even if things don't go as planned, um, I still would, will be working with her in the future. And she's just incredible. Yeah. And you know, speaking of your ASM campaign, congratulations. Um, that was just the recent uh, student government election. Really, we're going to see um, a lot of things happening in the next year or so with coronavirus pandemic, of course, and other initiatives that are still in place. How do you see yourself getting involved through that role? And you know, how do you see um, the Associated Students in Madison Student Council playing a role in making some of these changes and bringing to light some experiences talked about on BIPOC at WISCO? Well, first, thank you uh, for saying congratulations. I'm really excited about it and all of that. And it's just, I mean, yeah, I don't even know how to explain it other than say that I'm excited. Like, I feel like that's so minimal, but that's the only word that I could even come up with lately. Um, but I really got interested in running for ASM and being a part of that, especially like after this semester when I saw that they were actually helping students and like trying to get the COVID relief fund off the ground. And um, also with the CAHOOTS model, which is supposed to remove police from mental health crises and give those roles to community members instead, which I think is incredible. And I just saw that they were actually making really meaningful and actionable change around just Madison in general. And I just was looking for a new thing to do. And I saw that and I was just like, that seems really cool. That seems like a great way to be active and continue advocating for students on this campus. And I just, and I also think that I, like I talked about before, just having run by Paco Wisco and like reading all of those stories and having a more rounded out perspective on the BIPOC student experience here, I think that I will be able to hopefully advocate for all of those racial and minority groups in that room, just because it is a, as this campus is a white dominated space, ASM is a white dominated space. So I just think that one, I think it's really important just to have student leaders of color in there that are actively fighting for change. So that's what I really hope to do. And speaking directly to that actionable change, um, what systemic changes do you think are of most priority in addressing racial inequity on campus? I mean, I think that UWPD, for one thing, is just their presence on campus is, I mean, just like racial issues, like police just are known to be racist and as many people are, but just specifically the police as an institution is a racist entity. So 
I think that reimagining public safety is going to be really important for our campus just because we can't, I don't believe that we can continue to rely on this institution that doesn't serve a good number of students and that is harmful like their presence on campus is harmful to a number of students and it's so easy to say like if you're not doing anything wrong like you don't have a problem but it's that assumption that I'll be like I'll just be walking down East Campus Mall and it's that assumption that I'm doing something wrong that would make me uncomfortable walking past the cop cars that are so often sitting there and the fact that I know that there are cop cars so often sitting there like you can just tell like that's just something that's on my mind when I see that a cop car like it it like grabs my attention like it I just yeah I think that in terms of easing racial tension on campus like their position on campus really needs to be reevaluated whether that's reform, whether that's abolishing, like, I just think that something needs to change there for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing your experience on that. And, um, you know, what other changes, um, especially like from your ASM perspective and working directly with the university, what other initiatives are, are on your mind looking to 2021, 2022? I really want to also push forward the BIPOC student demands, which still haven't been met, like I was talking about with the removal of the Abe Lincoln statue, um, the removal of Chamberlain Rock, which actually I believe is in motion for the Chamberlain Rock, but we'll still have to wait and see on that. And um, because I don't think that the majority of those demands were difficult to meet, I don't think that, I just think that the university has no interest in meeting them and they have no interest in discussing with student leaders who actually want to see change just because they, the university views this as like a transient population, like we're here for four years, then we're gone and we're out of their hair, but that definitely shouldn't be the case. And hopefully I'll be able to help potentially change that perspective. And in terms of, just to be like completely transparent, in terms of plans for the 2021-2022 year, I just want to remain open and creative because I don't have everything worked out in my brain yet as to how like to best serve students and I hope that I can open up more space for those types of conversations as well just because I think that the only way student government works is with actual student engagement because if I'm not interacting with the student body then how am I going to know what the student body needs that's one thing for me because I just don't want to be assuming anything like obviously everything I said is absolutely like I want those are things that I have been thinking about but I haven't been thinking about a large majority of the things that I still want to get into. And I just think that it's going to take a lot of creativity, which I think that a lot of people brush out the door and just like, they take the time of day to like gather their thoughts or just actually work on approaching a solution. But I just hope to be able to like get creative and work closely with Juliana, as I was saying before, and uh, Matthew Mitnick and Max Prestigiacomo, different people that I um, just have seen in these leadership positions and hope to uh, be able to learn from and support. And, you know, you touched on like the broader campus community and that integral aspect of working with the university. And so what can the campus community do better to represent and listen actively to BIPOC students and their concerns that they've been uplifting for this time? I really do think that it just starts with meeting with and listening to BIPOC student leaders on campus. Um, I know that the UW-Madison BIPOC Coalition has been pushing for regular meetings with administration and they have been consistently kind of denied that access. So I think that that's one way at least the university can better represent and listen to BIPOC student concerns. I think that just the general community, I really think that it is just this personal 
work that we all have to do to just actively unlearn biases that we've learned in the past um, and not continue to spread those harmful generalizations, um, harmful stereotypes that are often so that are so often associated with minority groups. And I really, yeah, I think that it's a lot of personal work that all of us as individuals, especially white people, need to take a step back and really recognize their own place in racism and microaggressions and how they could potentially be perpetuating those like ideologies and occurrences. So yeah. And, you know, looking ahead to continuing to um, fight and advocate for these um, changes on campus, what do you think is most important for students to to consider and keeping the momentum going to create this more equitable campus and culture? I think that one thing that just generally people need to do is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because so many people just live in sheltered bubbles that don't really get disrupted that often, or I wouldn't even call, I don't want to say disrupted because that sounds negative, but like, for lack of a better word, disrupted. Um, no, yeah, I think definitely, like I was saying, yeah, getting uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, just in a sense that when we talk about reimagining public safety or implementing the BIPOC demands, those ideas do infringe on what society looks like today, but it's just remaining open to like, this is not the only way to live. This is not the end all be all, or and it shouldn't be the end all be all of the society we live in. And we still need to not just be talking about change, but actively moving towards it because we can talk about diversity and inclusion. We can talk about potential, like, I mean, change, but like, it, it, it's not going to do anything if, or it's not going to be implementable if people are pushing back on that for selfish reasons. So I think definitely like removing yourself from the situation and seeing how, seeing how given change would really benefit someone other than yourself or not just, just not trying to only see what you can be getting out of the world, but maybe what you could be giving to it. Yeah, that's a really great way of putting it. And just the idea of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is so important and recognizing all of these issues and really listening and getting outside of yourself, which is important in breaking through this canvas bubble. So appreciate you and your time today. I think that was majority of the questions I had. It's been really great engaging this conversation with you and talking about these crucial issues and perspectives that we need to really consider in campus culture and just the idea of creating mutually beneficial partnerships and relationships here. So if there's anything else you wanted to add and to students or about the mortgage center or anything like that? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm just, uh, thank you for having me on. I'm really glad that we were able to do this. Uh, you've just always been someone who's supporting me all the time and I really do appreciate that. So thank you. Thanks for joining us, Jamal. To learn more about the work Jamal and other BIPOC student leaders are doing on campus, visit the Instagram account at BIPOC at Wisco or the BIPOC Coalition account at UW-Madison BIPOC Coalition. Thanks for tuning in to engage with these crucial conversations surrounding racial justice and equity. Stay tuned in to All Things Mortgage Center at Mortgage Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As always, thanks for listening and see you next time.